Hello, everyone, and welcome back to In This Moment podcast, and I'm your host, Diallo Smith. Today, the moment you will participate in is all about the tragic attack at Capitol Hill. This left many congressmen and women scared for their lives and four lives lost in total. The reason why I chose my friend John was because he was there in D.C. that day participating in the first portion of the rally that was peaceful. This was a last minute episode, but I had so many thoughts and thought it would be very beneficial to have Christians have this dialogue. Surprisingly, in this episode, you will see some contrasts. Me and John agree on a lot, but there are some differences regarding the response and perception of the Capitol Hill attack. We talk about, is this attack equivalent to Black Lives Matter? How should believers engage on social media? And seeing the Jesus flags and Christian flags sworn in the air, was this done in vain of the Lord? While you are listening, you will hear an approach that first started off as addressing Capitol Hill, soon progressed into the basic principle of loving and respecting one another. One of the questions we didn't get around to was the difference of law enforcement with BLM and Capitol Hill. BLM protests averaged over a thousand arrests in total, tear gas, abusive power to peaceful protesters, and statements birthed such as, you loot, we shoot. In Capitol Hill, there was an active vote in session, democracy taking place, but people went into Capitol Hill and they were armed, bombs were found, trespassing offices, and there were a total of 53 arrests, and 47 of them being because people violated the 6 p.m. curfew. It says a lot about our country, but I'm excited for you all to listen and hear how Christians have to be an active voice and how me and John are both struggling with the best way to engage and communicate with fellow believers in our country. So this is episode five, What Happened at Capitol Hill featuring John Slocum. Hey, John, how are you? I'm doing good, Diallo. How are you, ma'am? You know, I'm I'm doing good. I'm hanging in there. Uh, I'm ready to have this conversation about what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. And just to give some background for people who are listening, uh, Trump lost the election and some of his supporters stormed the Capitol to intervene with the voting session, which left four people dead and congressmen and women hiding for their lives. John, I have you on because interesting enough, you were present on that day. Uh, So thank you for being on and wanting to talk about this. Can you just introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, uh, so my name is John Slocum, and I am currently a student at Liberty University. Um, I'm a senior over there, and I'm studying pastoral leadership. Uh, so some of you pastors, ultimately the uh, place where I'm looking to plant myself um, in life in the future. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm originally from New Jersey. Uh, so that's definitely the place the place to be over by the shore. Um, but <laughs> oh I making my way over here to Virginia um, not too long ago. So it's a little bit different with the mountains, but right. <laughs> I, I, I like it just the same. So it's been pretty cool. Um, but that's kind of like, you know, a little bit about my background and where I'm at. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's just get started. Um, so the first thing I want to ask was, in your opinion, how was the scene from Capitol Hill affect the church in America? And the reason why I bring up the church is because we saw um, some people waving Jesus saves signs. And we also saw like the Christian flag was mm-hmm. being flown around on the Senate floor. So how do you think this affects America, but also the church? So I think that it affects America and the church in a more general sense, just because there's so much divide there um, yeah. as a lot of different perspectives and beliefs. Um, first of all, not even just politically, but in general, what happened at the Capitol in general, 
um, right? Not everybody thinks that, um, you know, one thing, some people think another thing. And um, it's just a big back and forth. <laughs> and somebody yeah. uh, noticed is that, honestly, Diallo, I, I feel like that it's turned us into um, into some children <laughs> a little bit. Mm. I've seen a lot of back and forth like oh you you did this worse than us and oh yeah, you know, yeah. Did this worse than us and i'm like this sounds like an argument between seven-year-olds like who did it who did it worse and um man i think it's just really ultimately causing us to regress in that way but i i think it's also um when you think about the when you think about the way the church is at times, even as Christians, like, you know, being at the being at the uh, rally when it was originally happening, I saw yeah. a lot of flags that were being uh, waved around um, when it came to, you know, Jesus saves and um, Romans, Romans 12 and um, wow. Romans 10 and, you know, all these different scriptures, which is fine. Right. Because, yeah. But most of the rally, uh, from my own experience it was extremely peaceful except for that, mm. except for that last moment. But obviously, you know, we in the church, we know uh, as Christians that sometimes, sometimes even if we're doing the right thing, sometimes it takes it's other people, right. Who are around us or yeah. whatever that kind of gives, gives it a bad rep. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of the similar to what happened here that you had people who were doing, uh, you know, waving flags in Jesus name, but they weren't doing anything that was opposed to him. Right. Mm. But then you get to that last moment where it happens and it, it just kind of ruins it for everyone and, um, you know, poisons the whole thing. So I think that that's something to be considered as well with how it affects the church and just that and, and America and that it was just a moment where, you know, someone someone got caught up. People got caught up and yeah. it made it look bad for everybody else. Which kind of yeah. Uh, you mentioned something before about you know, it feels like we're going back and forth as an argument of you did this, but you did it worse. And that's something that I have become frustrated with because now I see a lot in the news yeah, uh, about the BLM protests and then the Capitol Hill attack equivalent to each other. Uh, so what is your opinion? Like, do you think that they're the same? Um, is there hypocrisy going around? How do you feel about it? Yeah. So I've actually had a few conversations with people about this, but um, overall, my opinion on the equivalency of them is this, is that in a broader perspective, they are equivalent. And the reason why I say that is because both sides, whether it's Black Lives Matter for fighting against police brutality and racism in this country, whether it's you know, what happened at Capitol Hill with people who are defending their rights, who are fighting for democracy, you know, fighting for what they believe in, all those different things. Um, yeah. Both sides had a message that they wanted to communicate, right? Mm. Whether we, whether the other side believes that's true or not, both sides had a message they wanted to communicate. Both sides made a mess in communicating that message. <laughs> and mm. both sides were fighting for what they believed in. And mm. okay, that's that in my mind that's just kind of how i've worked it and yeah i think that just kind of helps people to see both sides that like you know you may not think that you know systemic racism is an issue you may not think that police brutality is an issue but the people in the protests who whether they were doing it in the name of black lives matter whether they were they were there with black lives matter whatever regardless those protests that were being done were supposed to be for that and then mm. hijacked by 
all the riots and looting and things like that. Just like, right, you have <laughs> other side, the exact same thing. You have this Trump rally that is yeah. that is not, it was not meant to be violent, right? I was literally there for most of the time and there was nothing violent going on at all, right? But then okay. you, and they're fighting for what they believed in. They're standing up for, you know, what they believe to be true, which is, to- again, totally fine. We have to believe that that's totally fine if we want that same grace on the other side. So that that's yeah. total, that's totally fine. Right. But then it gets hmm. jacked by, yeah. by the Capitol Hill. Um, sure does. Forming, and, you know, both sides were were ultimately um, sabotaged by that. Um, and so I, in my head, I think that that's kind of where it comes into is to recognize and respect. Then that's what it comes down to is respecting that both sides had a message that they truly believed in, honestly, mm. and truly believe in it. Um, we have to be able to respect that and understand that they were just ultimately standing up for what they would believed in, whether they did it in the right way <laughs> or not. Yeah. It's a different story. Um, but that is ultimately what it comes down to. And, and yeah, and uh, that's kind of what it comes down to. I'm excited already for this conversation because I think there's going to be some contrast because I would I, I think I understand the principle um, how they could be looked at as the same, mm. but I do see them differently. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I see them differently is because if I'm looking at, you know, in the summer, we the the reason why there was the, the protests that were going on with Black Lives Matter was after the George Floyd video. So I felt like that was something that was very concrete. There was evidence. Mm. Whoa, that was police brutality. Mm. Something needs to be done. Like there was full on Evans for America to see in the world to see, which is like what sparked all of like this righteousness to go out and be the mouthpiece uh, for the black community and to have accountability. Yeah, I see where you're headed. Yeah. Yeah. And then so the difference with this one is, you know, no matter like where you lean politically, but with President Donald Trump, you know, he elected the Supreme Court justices that are on. Um, sitting right now and when there was the, this idea of fraud i mean they were the ones that were saying there's no evidence there's no evidence the people that he elected correct and so for me it's like where people are fighting but there wasn't any evidence yeah. by law yeah. that said okay there's something that we all need to be going out for so to me it just felt like something that was very I understand the pain and, and, and the, the hurt and the confusion because when it comes to politics, I feel like that's the game. You know, people, yeah, yeah. if your side loses, yeah. everyone's upset, think something, you know, has happened. But I just think after I, I get the, even the rally, um, I feel like President Donald Trump should just let that go as well yeah. because, like, we're in the month of January and a new year. Yeah. It was pretty clear after the electoral votes. So to me, I think they're different because I think this was a complete political game. Yeah. Even with the rally of like President Donald Trump getting some of his supporters and saying, hey, like this is our election. It's fraud. Because yeah. when you as the president say something's fraud and like you gather people together, people are going to take your word for that. Yeah. Like you, you, you ha- you're a credible source. Mm-hmm. And so when you're emboldened to be to have credibility, that is what forces tons of people to just go in there. I mean, people had like handcuffs people were armed they found bombs like yeah yeah and and i think the thing that was different for me is that with the blm protests people were 
they were peacefully protesting. That was the goal. It wasn't until the nighttime we saw yeah. um, that the, that things became riled up. Yeah. But also the difference was there were thousands and thousands of marches and protests that violence wasn't the answer. It was honestly like a few that that's what happened. And that was denounced. This was one event. Yeah. And the one event was storming Capitol Hill, which is supposed to be the most secured um building and in, in our country and so yeah. i think this was different i think again i can understand what you're saying like the principles yeah. of like the messaging yeah. but i just i just look at the george floyd when there was the concrete evidence for the world to see which is why so many allies joined and how this one i felt like was all just a political agenda that kind of got some of the base uh very upset and angry and wanting to charge yeah yeah i diallo the funny thing is that I totally agree with you. This is where, like, I have the exact same thinking as you, literally. Mm. Where mm. I where I brought myself to where I was like, this is in essence the same, is because the same way that, you know, people, um, you know, view the, the fraud in the election and stuff, that there's, you know, no evidence that, that has been presented because there hasn't been, um, yeah. you know, with that. That's literally, unfortunately, because I, I am not, I do not think like this, but unfortunately, there are also people, even with the whole George Floyd incident, that will still say that there is no evidence of police brutality, that there is no evidence of systemic racism, that there is no evidence mm-hmm. that racism is a big issue in this country. And so, even though for me, in my mind, I don't think that's true. Yeah, I brought myself to where it was like, okay, this is kind of the same because the same way that I think in my head, okay, there's not really any evidence is the same way that the other side would think, oh, there's no evidence over here either. And I think that is, Mm. that was the key. That's where I veered off. That's where I was like, okay, maybe I need to check myself here. Like it's it, even though I don't necessarily agree with it at the same time, it's, it's who am I, you know, like it's the, mm. it's the same thing that I'm doing with them, you know, because I'm telling you right now, even though there are thousands of people who are saying exactly what we're saying, that there's has not been any evidence presented that there was fraud in the election on the other side of that. There yeah. are also thousands of people who even without that are completely convinced that there was. Do you see what do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so and, I'm like, huh, me like maybe I need to maybe I need to be more open about this job. You know, that's kind of where I where I where I landed. So that, that's yeah, I I'm totally yeah. with you. I'm with you. Yeah. So then my question would be this though. So how do you have who is going to be the mediator to discern whether this is how this is the same or this is not? Because somebody could tell me hey, the sky is orange. And I'm like, no, it's clearly blue. Mm -hmm. It's scientific proof that it's blue. Mm -hmm. But they're saying, but my view is orange. Yeah. So, you know, so it's like, so how do we know the truth of saying the sky is, the sky is blue? Because to me, I'm like, the George Floyd video was very hard. I like, I feel like it's very, yeah. People who say that, oh, police brutality doesn't exist or whatever, I mean, at that point, I'm you're in the, the sky is orange category to me. Just because of how yeah. long the video was and the evidence of the video. With this, um, with the, the fraud, I'm not saying that 
that these people are wrong for believing this. Yeah. I'm just saying that that to be doing all that was going on, there was just no evidence from the like from law um, and from the states and from the recounts. And so to me, I just think logically, mm-hmm. if you if there's no evidence with the law, with the states and especially and I, I feel like people would say, oh, well, what about like when it was the civil rights and people thought, you know, certain laws couldn't happen, all, all these other different things. We're in a progressive time in the 21st century where th- like that's not even comparable either. Yeah. And so to me, it's like, so what do you do if someone is in that category and you saying it's the sky's blue and the other sky is orange? How do you discern that? Who's the mediator for the truth? Man, that is <laughs> that, that is an, a, that is an amazing question, Diallo. And I wish I had the right answer. Um, yeah, I would. I would love to say. Um, in the only place that I can take it honestly, first thought is from a more broader perspective, and mm-hmm. ultimately. Um, ultimately just using scripture in my mind to, to say, Hey, like, you know, we have been called to respect one another, right? Yeah. We have, we have been called to that. And whether I think that someone's view is wrong or they think that my view is wrong, doesn't like, it's not saying, Oh, Hey, love your neighbor as yourself. Only if you guys agree on (laughs) your views, you know, like there, there's, I think that there's a, place that we can come to where we're able to love and respect that person or those people um, in spite of if they're kind of um, going away from the truth that we know of what we know to be true Um, but I don't I don't know if there I don't know if there is a I mean I would honestly I would say that I would say whatever as many facts as you can possibly find um as yeah. concrete facts that you can find because especially which is difficult especially in today's society with the media and all those things is very very hard to find concrete facts of like what happened because as soon as something happens the every everyone hits it and you're gonna see five ten different articles and outlets that are saying probably t- all 10 different things <laughs> yeah we, no seriously and we have to muddle through that and it sucks and i wish that we didn't have to do that but that's what makes it so confusing um and i mean even also in part of all that i think sometimes it just comes down to saying hey we agree to disagree you know i don't necessarily mm-hmm. like um you know get you to agree with my side but i'm going to present the facts that i have researched that i have that i have seen and I'm going to share them with you and you can choose to believe them or not. And guess what? Yeah. And if you don't, I'm still going to love you. And if you do, great. I'm still going to love you. And, yeah. and we're going to move on. And I think it just comes down to just like, what facts have you researched? What are you presenting? And just sharing the information, just giving information. Yeah. Nothing wrong with giving information. You know, you go from there. I think that's really the best that we can do uh, with that. Yeah, and I think going along with that, when you talk about being respectful and, you know, just understanding, like, what Scripture says about how to love our neighbors. One of the things I was looking at, like, in Galatians 6 in the beginning, it talks about, um, it's basically just talking about accountability and uh, bearing the burden of our brothers and and listening to them and restoring their souls with transparency Mm. uh, with our leaders. So how do you think we can reconcile as a body with people who 
lean different um, politically than us, people who even see the situation different than us, because in my opinion, I just feel that I cannot unify unless there's accountability because me just unifying, like uniting, and there was no accountability of what just happened. Mm-hmm. That means like later down the road when something else happens, it's going to hurt even deeper because I let you in closer. Yeah. And so in this situation, I think it is personally like hard for me to say, okay, this is really easy. Like, to love my brother in the full capacity and bear their burden. Like, I know that's required, but I think like my flesh is just upset, but also the spirits like, but they also need to be accountable. Like scripture also calls us to have accountability to our leaders in order for us to unite and have this conversation. So how do you think we do that as a body? Man, I I think that, I mean, first of all, we have to, I believe that we have to understand that accountability um, goes hand in hand with affection that you can, that, you know, loving someone is not just, you know, giving them hugs and telling them that you love them and all those things, but it's sometimes it's also holding them accountable. Sometimes it's also, you know, calling them out in love, right. And telling yeah. them in love and honoring them that way. Um, honestly, one of something that I've had to learn is that one of the greatest things that you can do to show your love to someone is to hold them accountable. Mm. The greatest things that you can do to show your love for someone, because you're caring about them enough to, to just reveal more of themselves to themselves that they yeah. may know about yet. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, accountability is extremely important. How do we do that? Um, ultimately very cliche. It's really, sometimes it's just thinking, man, what would Jesus do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, like, seriously. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's, sometimes it really comes down to man, like, how would Jesus love this person? How mm-hmm. would, how would Jesus be um, the mediator in, in this moment? You yeah. know, you know, e- even when, you know, when we look in, in the Bible, we see, you know, Jesus being that mediator, you know, between the Jews and the Gentiles. And, you know, sometimes we have to be that person, you know, yeah. well, what does it look like for us to be peacemakers? What does it look like yeah. for us to step in, not wanting to win the argument, right? But what yeah. is it for us to just step in and to just be there for that person, to just love that person, to listen to that person, to respect that person, to... Um, you know, give honor for, you know, whatever, whatever views that they have um, and be able to make that space for them to view that, you know, something that we have to understand also is that God has created us all differently. Right. Yeah. And he has not, he has not created us all to be one form <clears throat> political agenda. You know, plus right. least not that I, not that I've seen the scripture. Uh, um, <laughs> we were all supposed to be Democrats. We were all supposed to be concerned. I, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't recall, um, you know, him ever saying that we all have to be Republicans in order to be, you know, all on the right side of life or whatever. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, like he's created us all differently with different mindsets, different thoughts, different beliefs, different cares, different passions. And it, he, he, we're not we're not we don't have to all be the same and think the exact same way and believe the same thing. So sometimes it's not about, um, you know, hey, like. How can I love this person? Because sometimes we love people, but with the agenda of changing them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes it's not about changing them. Sometimes it's just for accepting where they're at and Mm -hmm. allowing Jesus to be the one who changes them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not to push our words, push our beliefs onto them, say, no, you have to believe what I believe or constantly having conversations until they finally give in to the agenda. And it's like, man, that's not loving well, you know, loving well is acknowledging the differences, accepting the differences, 
you can talk about them if you want to, but ultimately it comes down to acknowledging them and accepting them and being able to love someone, love someone through that, if that makes sense. Yeah, completely. And I, and I think something that you mentioned that's so important is to have the love and respect because one of the things I think when we're talking about these conversations, especially like with other believers, uh, we all have the love for each other, but that respect part is so crucial because over this week, mm. there was one person that I, I don't know that well at all. Uh, I only know them from social media and they out of nowhere to start coming at me about what was going on and name calling all these different things. And yeah. Yeah. I think the part that was missing was, I think in their view, out of love, they thought they wanted to correct me. But since there was no respect established, yeah. that it completely was the yep. opposite. I became extremely defensive to the point I said, I'm just going to block this person because yep. I don't have the time to keep going back. Like, I don't want to slander their name. Yep. And so I think for people who are listening in the church, when we're having these dialogues and pastors that are leading us, that is very diverse and culturally, but also politically, that we have to come to this understanding that, love is something that we're commanded to do but we really have to work for this thing of respect because without the respect part um i think we just start to go in circles into my views right your views wrong instead of saying i respect you enough to understand your view and Mm -hmm. then find a a medium like have reconciliation after the conversation yeah yeah and and a lot of that honestly also diallo i think comes not only by accepting our differences and acknowledging them, but also acknowledging where we're alike. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Finding that common ground in the fact that, hey, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, we both love Jesus. <laughs> that's right. That's common ground that we need to, That that's enough, right? Like Jesus yeah. connects us, um, you know, uh, above all, all of this, right? Like we're ultimately citizens in heaven, not of this earth. And so that is ultimately where our resting place is, where our home is. That's where our address lies. Um, and when we come at it from that perspective, I mean, it just changes things, dude. It's just acknowledging that's, that's a, a level of respect in itself going like, man, dude, you love Jesus too. You know, yeah. that's, oh, that's, that's a level of respect in itself, you know, to, to exactly. keep those people connected. So I think that's a good way to, kind of just say solidified and, and come together in spite of the uh, those political differences you're talking about. Yeah. And, and again, back to my my point about the social media, about what was going on um, with the love and respect. A lot of times people don't they, they don't have the time to, to gain that respect part on social media. So how how should believers engage in what they post on social media? Uh, just because with the inauguration coming up, I feel like there's still a really huge political divide that yeah. also bleeds into the church. So how do believers engage in social media when talking to non-believers or with believers about difference of opinion? Yeah. Um, so super simple. James chapter one, 19 through 20 says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Um, pretty clear cut there. <laughs> yeah, James, James. James doesn't miss any any marks. Um, you know, we we have to be um, a really really big one. Slow to speak. Yeah, slow to speak. <laughs> uh, because I swear to you, and I'm guilty of having done this as well before. But I swear to you, man, the second like Diallo, the second that the whole Capitol Hill thing happened. Oh my! Oh. <laughs> it was like it was like all hell broke loose on social media. It sure Every, did. 
Yeah. Everyone and their mom was sharing the exact same meme, the yeah. exact same post from the exact same page. All, all these different things that were being put. Everybody was getting their posts out. Everybody was getting their posts out. Their yeah. out. Yeah. Um, and man, it's just like, let, let's give this time to, to sit for a second, you know? Um, because I mean, I'm I'm telling you also from experience that there's been times where, you know, you say you say something or you you express your opinion about something. And then five <clears throat> later, you get evidence or facts or about something. And it's like, oh, wow, that actually completely destroyed what I said before. And now what I said before, it doesn't even make sense because mm. that was completely wrong. Uh, so I think it's just being slow to speak, dude, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Um, it does not produce the righteousness of God. And even connecting with that in Proverbs 15 and 1, um, you know, it says a soft answer turns away wrath, <laughs> right? So yeah. we're talking about what wrath is and that, um, you know, what it does not produce, right? That it doesn't, you know, show that it doesn't make us into who God is wanting us to be. And so in order to turn that away, in order to go against that, man, we have to give some soft answers, right? Soft mm. answers doesn't mean weak answers, right? right. It right. means like respectful <laughs> like how, yeah. we're, how we're what we're talking about you know something that's not it doesn't have to be loud and and boisterous and obnoxious and you know arrogant right it, it can be yeah. it can it can be a soft word that that simply um brings peace instead of division you know what i'm saying yeah. um, even like what you were talking about like if that that person that came at you through social media even if they would have just came at you in such a way that was like you know like hey dude like blah blah blah, blah. That's yeah, that's completely different than yo, bo, bo, yeah, right, boy, right. It's like that's that, but they're just two completely different tones, and ultimately, it's going to impact you know the person that you're talking to, you know, ultimately. Um, and so you know, that's not producing righteousness in you or in them. And so, yeah. I think that I think those two scriptures come to mind, you know, straight up thinking about how we interact with social media, always engaging in a peaceful way is definitely needed. That's good, and, and I think something that I would probably say to discern more on would be people who are listening, like when it comes to being slow to speak, I think there are some situations where you see it and you, like, it, you just know you're like, yes. And, and, but I have been in that situation where I will speak out against something. And then like later on the day, it's like, Oh my gosh, I was completely wrong. And it's so like, it's very embarrassing. So I do think there is like, you should be so to speak, but then there's also that moment and looking at just how America and believers respond to things. When things are very concrete, I feel like we see a lot more of a response. So when we saw like with George Floyd, there was a huge response. When we saw with, uh, like with the Capitol yeah. Hill, there was a huge response because those yeah. were videos about what was going on in a full detailed thing and so i think those situations people usually the majority can rally and say okay this yeah. is basically what happened yeah but there are a lot of those those cases and details where i think sometimes if if you don't even know what's going on but you see that there's injustice that even if you just instead of making a statement on mm -hmm. your own opinion just say mm -hmm. hey like i'm just praying yeah. right now for what's going on yeah. Which still, because I think another thing that, that hurts Christians is that sometimes we, we get comfortable with being so slow to speak that, that our voice like is so needed in vital moments, but we completely miss the opportunity. And so I think even when you don't have the full evidence, just saying that you're praying and praying for what's happening and like for clarity helps 
to uh to bring your voice and that's also still being slow to speak but being discerning exactly. in which situations you exactly. should be slow to speak and which situations that you're like okay no yeah. we need to yeah. we need to march and talk yeah. about yeah. this no. so do you believe that this political divide will keep bleeding into the church yes um i believe that i definitely believe that this is going to keep bleeding into the church um it has been for a few years now um, unfortunately, and I think that is definitely going to continue to do so. A few reasons why I think that um, is, first of all, when it comes down to um, the preaching that's happening in the church. Dude, I've literally heard, I've heard pastors throw shots at Donald Trump before. Um, I've heard pastors yeah. throw shots at Democrats before. I've yeah. heard pastors throw shots at America before. Um, oh. and, and I don't believe that any of those things are going to stop anytime soon, especially with the Capitol Hill thing that just happened. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely believe that that's going to have an impact because, you know, those these are pastors. These are people who are leading these churches. Um, and also, I think it's going to it's going to um, continue bleeding it into the church because of, you know, just when it comes to our interpretation of Scripture. That makes sense. I think a lot of, you know, first of all, when it comes to Scripture, you're not you're the goal is not to take your ideas and your thoughts and put them onto the text. But the goal is to pull what's in the text out. Right. right. And so. Right. I think that there's been many, many times, you know, with these pastors that I'm talking about in general all over the country, um, and that that sometimes we bring our, our politics into scripture, and sometimes we are, you know, preaching too much. Um, it's too too based on political I- ideologies and not, you know, proper interpretation of scripture. You know, as even just as an example, like you know, when we look at um, just different definitions and different things when it comes to words. Um, like in Psalm 146 and seven, um, you know, it's talking about Jesus and it says that, um, he, he is, uh, the one who executes justice for the oppressed, right? Yeah. Yeah. What does, you know, when we look at those two words, justice and oppressed, those are two big buzzwords right now, right? (laughs) Right. And when you approach that scripture, how are you approaching that? You know, are you putting your political beliefs onto that and saying, well, you know, like your political beliefs can't be what defines that scripture right right um but you know it has to come down to what is it the word of god is saying and um also even with community um you know there are literally people and i'm sure you know this too there are literally people who will unfollow you block you (laughs) all these different things yeah uh because of the political beliefs that you hold right simply because you don't agree with what with what they think and that's wrong. That's wrong, dude. I mean, if like, let's just be real. If we can't handle, if we can't handle the cyberspace together, right? Um, you know, where there's less less factors like faces and voices and all these different things. How in the world are we going to handle being in a church together, right? Mm-hmm. If we can't, if we can't love, uh, you know, in our in our posts, then then I don't think that there's a way that we can love in our pews, man. Right. Um, and I think last couple of thoughts there with how it's kind of bleeding in. I think it's bleeding into how we view sin. Um, I think yes. it's taught us that taught Christians that certain sins are okay as long as they aren't as bad as the other side. Uh, right. Like what we were talking about earlier. And I, I, that's wrong. You know, it, it, can't, yeah. it can't be that way. It can't be, oh, well, you know, what this person said was racist. Oh, well, what this person said was more racist. So it's not yeah. like come on <laughs> like what, yeah are we really sitting here arguing about which which versus is more racist why can't it just be that that was wrong you know yeah. Um, yeah you know and it's also changing how we're viewing ourselves as well um i i've seen just from what i've seen i i see a lot of we keep throwing this word around like condemn that we need to condemn this and condemn that 
And man, I think that we're just turning into judges and jury, you know, when it comes to a lot of the different things going on in this world. And uh, last time I checked, none of us are that. Um, yeah, that's ultimately God's responsibility. Um, but I ultimately think y'all that there is hope there. Um, and, you know, a scripture that comes to my mind when I think about that um, is when Jesus is talking to Peter and, um, you know, he tells Peter um, that on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not prevail against that. And, you know, when you when you think about that word prevail, that word prevail, a lot of times we think about it as like that the church is being attacked. And yeah, the church is being attacked, but it's saying that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church meaning that the church is the one who should be attacking hell, right? Yeah. Like the ones who are supposed to be coming for hell. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be the ones who are, you know, on the offensive, not the defensive. Right. So like, yeah, there is hope there. Right. And all of our, all of us as Christians have to come to come together on that and, and fight back, um, you know, just against, just against the church and, and being a protect, protect the body and stay together and stay unified and, you know, hold one another accountable, but also being able to love each other well in spite of that, too. So that's so good. And I think one of the things you said was condemning is not good. And we become more judges like in a jury. And I think for Christians who are listening is that that isn't the goal. That isn't our role in society. It isn't like the role of how we reflect Jesus. Like it is good to have accountability. It is good to correct. We have to, to remember, like, we need to do it in love and respect that we've mentioned before. Because without those things, then we're just a loud noise, and it is going to look like that. But when you do it in love, the way it hits and the way it corrects us and corrects the spirit and the flesh, yeah. um, the results are a lot different. There's a lot of fruit that bears from that. Uh, just a quick question, real quick. Do you think we'll hear about this on today in a sermon <laughs> across, across the country or yeah. even with yourself? Yeah, yeah, I I think that we definitely will. Okay. Uh, oh yes, you you will. Um, <laughs> pastors, keep, pastors should keep it. Uh, there's a quote that says pastors should keep the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other. Uh, Amen. So if they're if they're doing that, then they're definitely going to be talking about this, Diallo. <laughs> okay, I think I and I'm I'm excited because I do think uh, we need it. We need to have pastors uh, leading these conversations, but also being. I think there's been so much media, media, media that that's been mm -hmm. like interpreting for us. Come on, that's going to and be refreshing. Fox News, you know, we need to hear from the Lord, Diallo. Yeah, no, we sure do. We sure do. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on. And last minute, this was a really good conversation. Can you just pray us out? Uh, and just for not only the people who died at Capitol Hill and just with our like political election and inauguration that's coming up, but also just for the body and that we don't allow politics to keep dividing us um, and that we can just strive for the love and respect and for reconciliation. Yeah. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for um, your goodness and your grace. Thank you so much, God, for your loving kindness and your tender mercies that we do not deserve, um, but that you continue to give us daily. Um, Lord, we just come to you, Lord God, confessing that, man, that there are times where we make uh, uh, politics an idol um, in this world, Lord God, there are mm -hmm. times where we care more about um, you know, where each other lean politically rather than where we lean in our souls and in our hearts. Um, yeah. Oh God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that we would not be like that, Lord God, that we would um, be um, continue to convert people for you, Lord God, not for our own political gain, Lord, that we would um, put you first, that we would keep you at the center of our minds and in our hearts, Lord God, that we would be able to love our neighbors well, 
Um, and Lord, I pray for, you know, everything that's happening in Capitol Hill, Lord God, it was very chaotic, so many things going on, so many thoughts, um, people died, Lord, um, I pray for those families, I pray for, um, Lord God, those families who now have to bury their loved one, Lord, um, over mm-hmm. something that didn't even have to happen, um, so God, I pray for peace in that direction, Lord, but I also pray for peace for our country, I pray for peace churches. I pray for peace and our interactions with one another, Lord God, um, and that ultimately your love would permeate, Lord God, um, this entire world, this entire country, Lord God, um, and ultimately, Lord God, that you would come first, not our political beliefs or where we lean, Lord God, but ultimately that you and your word, Lord, that that what you have to say would come first. Um, In the name of Jesus, we love you. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this entire episode. I pray you are able to walk out with a new perspective and maybe even some homework. Thank you for being in the moment with us. If you're not already, follow us on In This Moment podcast on Instagram and share this moment with a friend. See you later and stay tuned for more episodes.